We're back. What's up, my audience? Thank you all so much. The Foul Life Podcast. It continues to grow. All of the messages we get, y'all are loving the diversity in topics and guests. And I'm telling you, we got another good one today. I have a friend that I've been friends with a long time, haven't talked to him in a good minute. And um, he's got some really cool things going on. But before I introduce this man... Remember to keep supporting the partners and sponsors that support us. Today's episode of the Foul Eye Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Gerber Gear. Stay sharp, America. I carry a knife, a saw, an axe, a hatchet. Everywhere I go, every blind bag, every UTV, ATV, boat, truck, toolbox, blind bag, backpack, I have something that I can build a blind with or cut the meat off the bone with, and we depend on Gerber because they keep us sharp, and that's how we want to be. Always make sure that you keep safety on the front of your lobes, of your brain. You do not want to cut yourself with the Gerber, trust me. I've just nicked myself going too fast on some mallard breasts for a dinner, and it hurts like heck. So be careful, make safety number one, and depend on Gerber to make sure that your hunts and fishing trips are complete. My guest today is the one and only George Lynch. I know if you hunt ducks and geese, you've heard of George Lynch over the past 20 years. He's been very instrumental in such things as turkey call design, duck call design goose call design short read goose call design he's here on the foul life podcast george my man how are you i'm doing great chad it's great to see you man great to see you you uh are you in where are you at right now are you you moved to iowa we're in southeast iowa in god's country you know with all the big deer i'm i live uh diane and i we live right on the edge of a duck club my place that that we have our place that we have out here we have two places but it was an old duck club. I uh, used to sleep 16 people, has a big basement. They had everything set up. They had the lockers when I moved in. And then uh, north of us is the, a cabin that we we bought with the, the place. It was a caretaker's place, and uh, we got it all fixed up and pretty. My wife has, and we're going to have that for writers and, and hunters and people who come in uh, to stay because we've got a lot on the plan with the uh, legendary gear in the future. And living in the place that we live. I can walk out Brad, or Chad in the morning, sit on our deck, and we'll hear turkeys every morning. And I can go from my deck and probably set up and kill one within 20 minutes. You know, it's just, it's blessed. And the big deer, I've got, you know, sheds from deer that are 180 inches. Uh, you know, we got 190 inches. I had a 200-inch buck last year that pictures of that I was chasing here and ended up killing a 165-inch eight-point but uh, yeah, this is uh, Southeast Iowa. It's the place. I thought you were a duck and a goose hunter. Why all this talk about deer? Dude, I've been, as I grew up, I'm a hillbilly for one thing. You know, we eat it. It's, it's not roadkill all the time, but you know, I, I was raised, I was actually raised in Southern Michigan with we, we, geese. We didn't have geese like you have now. Young guys, you know, you're sitting here. It's, this is the best of days. Everybody talks about what you used to in the, in the past, man, when the old past. We're in pretty good days today with waterfowl. Yeah, we're going to have good years and bad years and, and, and weather and stuff that you can't. I mean, farmers deal with that, too. But um, we're in the best of days. We didn't, the only geese you heard in Michigan in the fall and high up migrating. Uh, we had local ducks. We get duck holes now and then. But it's just we didn't have the waterfowl. Like, you know, so when I got into it, uh, I was lucky. You know, I got into a to duck and goose hunting, got pretty competitive with it. There was no one around to help you. 
there was no, <laughs> there was no YouTube, there was no social media to go look up. And but I was blessed at Knutson's um, um, there, which ran a huge guide service back in the day there in Michigan. And I happened to be blessed to live in in a good spot in Michigan that geese did hold up when they were migrating. But uh, I got working for them and guiding. And that was the first time I met uh, Tim Grounds and Fred Zink and Jeff Foyles, and we all guided together. And I would probably say that Tim Grounds is where I learned, you know, calling and picking up stuff like that. I've learned a lot from Tim and his tapes, and Tim was always good and instructing, but really the best teacher, Chad. We hunted a lot. <laughs> you know, we made stupid, the stupid mistakes I made back in the day, but that's how we learn. And you can learn as, and watch as much as you want in YouTube, but dude, you gotta, you gotta be out in the field. You gotta be putting your time behind the plate, taking the swings. Live pitching is different than, than practice pitching. And that's the same way with hunting. Yeah, it was sucked. It really sucked to lose Tim. How'd you feel when you heard that? That was a tough break. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was a tough break. I knew Tim that, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was, it was tough. I sat there and laid in bed. Um, I got it through a text message and someone texted me early in the morning and said, Hey, did you hear about Tim? And yeah, it was tough. It was as Tim was, I, I don't know. It's it, when you, when they're icons, when someone's an icon, you think that they're going to be around forever, you know? And then you find out that icons doesn't matter whether you're regular icon hero, you know, whatever we, our ticket when it's punched, we're done. Yeah. And it was tough when Tim, it, it, Tim, Tim sure laid a big road. And, um, but you know, he had helped started a bunch of people, yourself, myself, every people, you know, guys like us. And then we kind of picked up the torch and, you know, he didn't hold our hand and building calls and, and tuning calls and stuff like that. He lit that torch. And then a few of us, you know, were able to pick that torch. And I think we kind of went and rode our own path. But it was Tim that helped started that path for me. It was no doubt about it. I, my dad, my mother, we were hunters. And it was small game, pheasant, rabbits, squirrels, and um, you know, then the deer. As soon as you were old enough to hunt deer, I was on it. And but when the goose hunting started really getting popular, I got on that first stage there in Michigan and just got ate up with it. And you know, and, and then uh, started trying to learn everything I can and blowing routines and doing this and that and and. Uh, then all of a sudden, a young man from uh, Michigan got to be friends with named Sean Stahl. And we, you know, we uh, we were just, I mean, we were kids back then. And it's just, um, I remember hearing Stahl at the first contest, Michigan State contest. His Him and I both, we got kicked. And I never blew a contest. I was hunting, you know, sounded good hunting ball blowing this contest. Heck, I'll do, kid. Holy crap, what is this they're doing? You know, no practice. Just went up there, thought I was going to wing it and, and um, a good friend of mine, Todd Saboto, who was, you know, Freddie was working with him in contest calling. And um, I was just going to go there and rise. You know, I, I blew against him in the field. I didn't know what, you know, what it sounded like to blow a contest. But I remember Stahl and I both got cut in the first round. But I knew when I was listening to Stahl, you just know that ah, that guy's got a good sound. That kid ever figures it out. He's going to be tough to beat. And, of course, he did, you know. Ended up winning the worlds, I think, in what two thousand. It's been a while. Maybe no. Kelly won it in two thousand. Yeah. yeah, Kelly won. It was the first. I think Kelly, besides David um, Harold Knight, I think Kelly was the first one to actually win it with a short read. And I think Stahl was two thousand one. 
Yeah, Kelly won at 99, then he won the world, the champion of champions in 2000. Stahl was like 01, 02, I think, yeah. <laughs> he won it on a foils. Yeah, yep. Straight foils, meat. But, yeah, straight meat. Have you talked to Jeff lately? No, I haven't. You know, before COVID, um, and that's one of the great things, you know, they asked, what are some of the benefits? I love the traveling. I love the show. Some guys don't like traveling, but I love traveling, doing shows because I have met, and you know what it is. You meet so many people um, and I get to see all your old friends. I mean, you get to see people. And that's the only time we really, we don't hunt together. So you get to see them during the season. Everybody's at the same shows. Uh, I think it was last year or the year before last, last we really talked with Jeff. Presley's had their uh, waterfowl weekend and Jeff and I and my wife, we went to, you know, Kelly always gives us uh, tickets to the semi-pro game. So Jeff and I and my wife, and I think there was uh, a bunch of the young guys, we all went to the baseball game. But uh, it's tough right now with this COVID, um, you know, we're building the business. You're really true learning that um, the hardest part is, is getting supplies and getting stuff done. It's just, it's been a challenge. But, um, you know, the blessing this time of running legendary gear for me is that, um, you know, I did everything before. And I was, I was the marketing guy. I was buying. I was tuning. Um, we were doing it all. And then I hired guys that were working for me, blowing contests and tuning. But basically, I was running, making all the decisions, talking, making. And then the neat thing is now my wife has a marketing background, business background. She is a lot better at business. I'm, I'm not good at business. I trust people too much and shaking a hand and I trust that's going to be good. We shake a hand, but uh, she's, she's up and running the business. She's done a phenomenal job. I give her the ideas. I give her some, uh, some pointers of what I would do on the business part, but she's putting together a great ambassador team of some great young men, some talented young men. Um, and with her making business decisions and, and kind of setting, we got a business plan we set out it gives me the time to put all my efforts into these calls and designing what's next. And, you know, so it's, this is a, it's good time. That's what I'm saying. Today is, is good times for me. So people know you from the original company Lynch mob. That was how I met you and you had the reapers and you had all the cool designs and the kind of the heavy metal meets, meets goose calling and, and uh, duck calling and that, you know, Jeff kind of had that too. And foils would put out his videos. You always heard ACDC and Metallica. I still don't know to this day how Jeff got away with using all that music on those DVDs. It's crazy that he got away with that. But, um, so Lynch mob is, is evolved into a new company, which it's your initials backwards. GL goes to LG for legendary gear. And when did this come into fruition? Um, Actually, Legendary Gear is probably, it's been about a year. You know, um, Legendary Gear has always been there. My wife had it. It was a name we put, you know, we were looking for something that had, that it speaks of the company. And it, like with the marketing, you want that marketing power. You want that logo that the Nike has the check. You know, it's something that it's brand uh, that you can promote. And um, believe it or not, I was, I'll just she had worked with a graphic person, her ideas and putting it together. And, and um, it was on the first run. They, they had several logos that they ran, but that one stuck out to both of us. But I looked at that and I went, I said, that's it. 
That's another one. And be, the funny part, Chad, I didn't even know about the initials GL. I just thought legendary gear to my wife pointed out. said, well, you know, that's your initials backwards. I'm like, really Holy crap. It is. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and she has a background in marketing. Yeah. She worked for time Inc in New York uh, city. Well, when she got out of college, in fact, in college, she did an internship in Washington for Dan Quayle. Um, Went to Hillsdale College, a big conservative college, you know, but then was in New York, worked for Time Inc., TV Guide, Sports Illustrated for kids. She did TV commercials with athletes. So she's got an extensive, you know, it was different because she worked on direct response and she explains all this to me. I don't have a clue what it all means, but today it was, it's different because of the internet and stuff, but Chad, she is the best researcher that, when you give her something to do and say, Hey, I need you to research this. She will research and come back and she'll catch on and learn. And that was probably the thing that impressed me the most because I went through divorce and cancer uh, before in Michigan, before I came out, I mean, the whole world was falling apart and you're sitting there and you're what we used to worry about. Hey, what are we going to do in two, three months? We're going to go film here. We're going to do this. We're going to this show. It was awesome becoming, Oh man, I got it this week. I can't leave because I got to, get treatment or I got to go do this. And it was just, it's just, it was scary and uh, going through the divorce. And, but anyway, I had met her and uh, she was going to work for me in the marketing. And what impressed me is a woman who never hunted a day in her life, never been around hunters. But when she showed up with me and sat down across the table, she knew who every one of my competitors were. She knew who Fred Zink, Jeff Foyles, Tim Grounds. She knew who every guy had been on their website. And she says, well, the hunting industry's got a lot of improving to do. <laughs> so that's how we started. And um, I had through that time, then before we could do anything, I, I got out here in Iowa and it was tough. I, you know, I love where I live. I, I'm 30 minutes from food or gas, 40 minutes, but um, I couldn't get internet. I, I was living like an Amish man. I, was, I couldn't get internet for a long time and um, couldn't get stuff made. I lost a lot of money with Cabela's because we couldn't get product made from out here. So uh, that's why uh, the outdoor group had approached me. Larry McCoy, who was with them, I known Larry for years. In fact, Larry does a TV show, but he used to be a high tech laser. He used to laser my calls out of Missouri. And um, he got a hold of me and said, Hey, the you know outdoor group has eight brands and dual game calls. They'd like to talk to you. So, it was probably a bad timing for me, good timing for them because I was ready to say, okay, I need help. I'm just going to jump ship. And um, hindsight, I look back, I wish I'd have stuck it out. And, and um, But, you know, God's timing is everything. Um, it's just flowing together and we're doing good. It's, has it been easy? Oh, no. There's, you're still working with people, machinists, and you know how that goes. And, and um but it's how you work, you know, every day you're going to have problems. It's how you face those problems, overcome them and get moving on. And that's what, with her working with me, it, you know, we, we no different. There's the same problems today as there was 10 years ago, trying to get stuff made. It's just, we have a plan now and putting together and how to work around it. So was it tough? Yeah, but we've got those, uh, we got the cobwebs out and, and things are starting to um, flow smoothly. My goal I would love to uh, one day have everything in control in house. That's manufacturing is my background. Um, that's the only way you, you have your future. I, I like the future in my hands and not in the hands of other people. So, 
You mean that's as far? Our, you mean as far as like? You mean is, are we are we talking specifically about game calls right now? Your your new duck and goose and turkey call line. Uh, yeah, right now. I mean, but we got some. You know, we we got a great person that's doing it. But you know, when you get down the road, and we had one thing, the blessing of it is that I've had I, I have great relationships with a lot of dealers out there, a lot of people I know, and the respect of a lot of people. And these people, large, pretty large retailers, have you know, as soon as they heard I was coming back in, contacted me. And that was, uh, you know, of course, you're sitting there, oh, I'd like to do this. But we knew that our manufacturing to go at that level, if we get the orders, you know, I want to be sure that we can produce. And I want to not just producing, you want to produce with the quality. And it's, you know, you never want to be the kind of guy that's got a fling by the seat of his pants, get, you know, we got 400 calls. We got to get out by tomorrow. And you got guys working 12 hours tuning calls. I'm telling you all those calls aren't going to sound as good as, you know, if you, you got to be consistent. So until we have that consistent process, I told these guys, you know, we're just going to hold back till next year. We got more on the plate coming and, you know, and everyone was so supportive to me. He said, dude, I understand. And just let us know when you're ready. So it's been positive and we're excited for the future. We're getting ready to start on some molded calls right now. So, so your what is your outlook, George, on the retail business of game calls? I, I think there is a place for the molded calls. I think the hook calls, you know, with the clam packaging, are there. But back, you know, in some of the time frames that you allotted to earlier, it was nothing to have you know, several mom and pop and independent dealers with a custom call shop. Cabela's had a pretty good assortment. You know, the Bass Pro transition has happened since then. Bass Pro is always kind of, yeah, it was there, but it wasn't real strong in the custom call market, in my opinion. Shields was there, but they were never really strong. But you did have your Presleys and you had your Max Prairie Wings and you had your Simmons. Sporting good. Yeah, and there was some out there that 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 really supported it. But it, do you think that times have changed now, and it's more of a, a internet direct to the consumer business, Amazon business now? Uh, just getting ready to tell you, dude. It's Amazon. It's a thing called Amazon. Absolutely. Um, you know, through my conversations five years ago um, when we were at the outdoor group, I was with Weston Clark with a, a dual game call. So Weston and I were kind of doing this tour and we were putting it on social media and guys were following us from, we did the whole tour in Canada and then in the United States, we were over in Oregon doing the waterfowl festival, but you know, every dealer and we met with Dunham's, we met with Cabela's, Bass Pro, uh, Jay's, everyone was down 20%. And the next year they were down another 20 and it was all, they named Amazon. You know, it, it was getting into their business. And I think it's, and I know some call makers, some kids today um, don't even have dealers. They're sp- it's a different world, Chad. They're, they're spending tons of money to promote on Facebook and they're selling all through Facebook and stuff like that. But they're spending, I mean, a lot of money. It's, so it's a different, and, that, and stuff like that is killing the, the retailers. It has to be, you know, so... And then it's going to happen. You're going to have kids when he's bypassing retailers and there, some guys are going to go out there and they're going to lower the price of their calls um, to, you know, get, the, and it isn't by quality. I mean, I've always been, I didn't want someone to buy my call because of price, but I want them to buy it because of quality. And, uh, you know, if you want a price, go ahead and buy a, a, a injected call. If you, you know, it's about price, but there is some young guys out there who are killing the internet, but their prices are waiting. Um, and that's what you just 
you're going to deal with are the, the retailers. And we're working on some programs now to co- combat that. And um, I think my wife's got a good game plan of hitting it forward and going with it. But uh, you got to have both. You know, the Internet is powerful. There's no doubt about it. But Amazon has killed the retailing business without a doubt. So will we find legendary gear at retail and box stores and brick and mortar? Uh, next year you will. Absolutely. Next year yeah. you'll be in You, you might find some few small mom and pops because I do the mom and pops. They've been the heartbeat, you know, and what people don't understand, these people, you, you get these mom and pops. And if I had a good one in this area, I'll guarantee you, you're going to be going to the local mom and pops. And if you're in an area where you have a lot of hunters, young guys, you're going to have more uh, interaction, social interaction with these people who get your calls, who are going to tell their buddies that little store, believe it or not, can can outsource and promote you where that big box store, because there's 15 different call makers in there. You know, you got one worker there who promotes uh, zinc. One worker might promote a uh, lynch mob. Another one might promote grounds. So it's it's a flux. You don't get the the actual good promoting. People just look at the outside while well, we're getting a bunch of calls here that we're selling. But mom and pops have their benefit, and, and it isn't just the sales. It's the, the actual promoting that you can do through there is, what I guess, what I'm trying to say. And when so, we miss that point. But for sure, but for sure, most of your mindset or your strategy is going to be going towards that Amazon-based customer and, and, and figuring out the, the ads and the search engine optimization and everything that it takes to get eyeballs on that part of the, the – I mean, that is the new retail business, you know, as far as the way people are buying things. A lot of – I mean, you, Jeff Bezos has built a monster with that thing. But there is something said about picking up the call and using it and practicing it and having somebody take a alcohol disinfectant wipe and wipe it off and put it back in the case. Um, how are people testing calls before they buy them? Or is that where Diane and marketing comes in of being able to say, Hey, here's what you can expect out of our call. It's going to be a single read duck call. It's going to be tuned like this. We also have this short barrel design or we have this short read goose call. We're going to have a longer insert on this one, a larger exhaust on this one. Are they just going to have to trust, trust your credibility in the marketplace no, if they can't go and no, put their hands on no, it? No, absolutely. Absolutely not. You got to be a person who number one, you got to believe in your product. Number two, you got to stand behind your product and, no, Chad, it's about, it's our job to educate people. And that's one thing that you're abreast. I mean, you got, you do have social media, social media just isn't put a picture and put an ad. It, to me, it's about getting out there, showing what I have, but educate them about it. This is what it sounds like. This is how you blow. This is how it was designed. This is what's, this is what's special. And one of the things that I took to heart and, um, and I learned this years ago, and sales, you know, with the companies that we worked with, that you get, when you see the customer and you see your dealer, to me, I'm not going in there and telling them, hey, man, when he looks at me, so why should I put your calls on my shelf? Well, they're just as good as I got grounds, I got foils, I got zinc. Well, they're just as good as those. Well, why would I carry another one then? I mean, what makes you stand out? You got to have something that stands out. What makes you different? And that's what we always focused on. You know, when I, baseball was my life. It's the same thing. You just didn't, couldn't have a fastball. It might be good on the bad teams, but you get with the good teams, they catch up. So you got to have other stuff. You know, you have a, a full lineup of pitches and uh, do your homework, know where to place on, you know, on the hitters. That's the same way if the, in the market of uh, what we're trying to sell game calls. You're right. Exactly. You want to hold it in the hand. They want to uh, feel how it blows, but 
I think with us, it's, it is in the marketing. We know how to tune stuff. I've been doing this all my life. I've tuned a ton of calls. Our calls is everyone's tuned by me for you. And, and that's the difference. This isn't, uh, you know, we have a room full, a bunch of guys tuning calls or tuning calls for 12 hours a day. I'm tuning calls every day, but I'm sitting there tuning every call, just like I'm going to go out in the field with it. We, you know, it's about that. You got to promote that. We put, this is what makes this different. We put the extra care in it. This is why I designed it. We design, and actually you do design calls for a certain way and, and what they should be for and what are they uh, made for and what they sound like and, and, uh, Stand and then stand behind your call and you've got to know what you're talking about. Put it out there, edu- but educate the public, educate them. YouTube's the best, great source, educate. And then you got to draw and then you got to become a, a, um, you got to be wanted. You got to make yourself, you know, valuable. And that with these calls, you're going to be a rock star. It's just, um, but it is going to be different, but it's, it's using social media. I still want, and like I said, you can't get away from your retailers. Um, it's still good to have the sports. It's, it's still sales. Um, I'm, I'm a lot looking, more concentration on the social media. <clears throat> no, I think that I'm looking it up right now because I, I look at, I look at the, these things very close of how important, um, how important that, social media has become in our marketing efforts and and it's almost like a double-edged sword to me because there's in my opinion i think there's so many people on social media that do not have the credibility to have the voice they do but they have created it by becoming you know quote unquote insta famous or whatever the words are terms you want to use where there might be somebody that has your ability and your experience and your knowledge and your ability to instruct and teach and um there's got to be a fine line of where the credibility is today and how we're going to learn because there might be somebody like, like Tim grounds that, you know, before he passed, he wasn't on social media a bunch and doing a bunch of instructing on social media and building a, a huge following. Those days had passed Tim, you know, Tim was more of the interaction at a show, go out to Oregon waterfowl festival and then be in Peoria, then be in Easton and then be down in, in different parts of Illinois. Um, those those days are those shows aren't as abundant as they were at one time but now you go on the internet and you're like all right i want to go i want to go find somebody as a credible source it's almost like well this guy's got a hundred thousand following he must be the guy that we need to believe in right well that's not necessarily the case so it's kind of like a weird marketing deal do you build that audience do you build that following or how do you get the credibility in today's marketplace george In my opinion, for me watching, I'll tell you what, real quick. And I've had several conversations with my son. He's on, he's very good with it, uh, picking up some stuff in the social media. He's mm-hmm. always looking at the podcast. He's listening to the guy's podcast. See, with me, I'm so busy. There's very few podcasts. I'll listen to some podcasts. Someone say, hey, man, check out this podcast. Poop, I'll put it on. Listen, because you feel it, it now if it's something new that i'm getting into i might listen to the podcast but to me i know what i'm talking about i know what i'm doing so i'm not spending that much time on social kind of like tim you know i'm worried about i got to tune calls i got to do this but the younger generation like my son man he they constantly he knows every podcast whether it's deer hunting waterfowl and all these guys and they're using this i get that 
But I'm telling you, uh, and I'm not going to bring names up here because I don't want to, I'm not like that, but I having a hard time understanding this chat because I sit back and I think because I had guided for so long when hunting wasn't cool, when hunting wasn't on the internet, we didn't have internet. We were just hardcore hunters. Uh, we were called rednecks, called hillbillies. We eat what we kill, all this stuff. Um, but we didn't, um, we weren't on so, but I could watch someone today. And when I watch these young guys, I'll sit and watch an episode. And I look at my son, I said, <laughs> they got how many followings? And I look, I said, they don't know what they're doing. They, you, I'm watching 90% of these guys, they fail and they're doing, and it's about doing crazy and stupid stuff that my dad would smack me inside of the head. So what are you doing out here? You know, we're here to hunt, man. We set up to do this and, and you're constantly watching the wind. And I think it's because we guided. And if I wasn't successful, dude, I wasn't getting paid. So it, it came different. It wasn't a game. It was, it was life and you had to learn. And, um, and I, that's what I'm saying today. So you're asking me the question, how can someone today, you got to become the hero. You got to become, I mean, it's what Phil Robertson, the duck commander, Phil, it's just, you can ask almost anybody and it's like, oh man, I bet he kills a ton of ducks and Phil does, but Phil was on videos. And when you watch Phil, Phil was the real deal. He presented himself, whether he was or not, maybe he only went out when he filmed. You didn't know that you thought when you saw Phil Robertson, that was one duck killing SOB, you know, that guy knows what, and I, and I remember back in the day uh, <laughs> when Phil first came. Out, he had his first date with Warren Coco and had Zinc and I and Sabota. Do we listen to those tapes? We'd be out hunting all the time, imitating, hey, that's what I'm talking about, and, you know, and stuff. And we constantly, and that's what you got to do today. These young kids, and that's one thing I think from coaching ball my son's whole life, from coaching from young boys in, in Pee Wee League to young men in Legion League, I've coached that whole thing. And I have a good I have a way of communicating with young guys and I know how to communicate with young guys, but I also can communicate with the older guys. And that's what you need today. You need to get out there. It's um, not a show off, but go out as someone who's confident and I don't have to yell in the camera and scream every time I shoot, shoot a bird to tell you how good I am. You just watch it get done. But being, um, you just got to be a hero today. You got to know what you're talking about. And that's what I'm saying. I watched a bunch of this today and you'll see a couple good, and I will give the kids credit today. They're, these kids are phenomenal at, at tech, being tech savvy. They're good at running the camera and they'll set stuff up and they'll get a couple good hunts and you'll see that. But majority of the, of the tips, there's no tips and tactics. You know, they, they just go out and they hunt. They don't talk about why they, you know, so there, there's a chance of a, a guy to rise up. A Jim Shockey of the waterfowl that you rise up and say, man, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy, he goes out, he's not slapping high five. Man, we want to kill him. I get that. And I do get excited. Like my wife this year, first time ever goose hunting, shot two pans out of three geese. And I was, I was more excited than her just because she doesn't realize I, I've, that's just, she's never heard of. That's un, unheard of. But Day, you got to have that hero, that guy that, you know, you're not popular because you're promoting this brand or, or you're promoting this clothing. You're, you're good because you know how to speak to people, but you know how to teach people how to hunt. And that's another thing too. You can't just be a good hunter. You want to be a good teacher so that through your videos and through what you're talking about, you are very good at displaying that you're, te you want to teach. We're out there teaching those young kids. That's what the video is about to me. I'm out there. I want to educate. I want people to do it right. 
I don't want them to have to learn from some jerk off on, on social media, young kids and, and get this ingrained that this is what we got to do to kill geese or we got to do that now and, and show people. And, and my job is to educate, entertain. Yeah, you entertain, but I, they want to be educated. They want to learn something. I learned this years ago when we were with Avery doing that uh, waterfowl classics with Avery um, on my first video that I did, it was always about filming stuff, you know, well, how does the geese see our blinds? What are the, we filmed from up above with cherry pickers. And I was trying to film and find where's the weak spot and that geese were going to tend to pick you up and pick your blinds. Well, we found that out, you know, we're filming and we're and, and explaining, but I did some diagrams of different decoy spreads. Why? And I, and I called these spreads at different name for each spread. And we filmed them from up above with the, with the decoys. And then I filmed them, um, where I put the movement, but I also made diagrams. And I remember doing it down in Kansas. We were doing a seminar and got done and a bunch of guys came up to me and said, dude, we got your first video there. It says, uh, how come you don't have a decoy book? How come you don't sell this? You know? And I said, what are you talking about? So, well, man, you know, on your video, we, you had the decoy spreads there where I had a graphics group. My buddies and I drew that off your TV, off your video. And we put them in our trailer and here you're sitting thinking, and they use that. That's when the light bulb went with me. I said, you know, stuff that I take for granted, stuff that, but it took you and it took myself years to learn. A lot of people don't know that. You know, we just take it up and, and but you got to explain to people. And so then in my head, I was thinking, wow, it, it's the thing is about educating people. If, if we're going to make a mark and I want to make a mark in this sport and where what I call, this is my life. I want to make a mark that, uh, I left something took more than when I, or I gave back more than I took. That's what our whole thing should be. The whole thing in life period and helping others. So I look at it for me is about if I can educate and get new kids into hunting, new people into hunting to keep, you know, we're strong in numbers, but that's what we got to do. Check is we're in a day. It's a scary age today. It's a scary age where people won't, you know, hell I'm sitting here in Turkey season and we're hunting turkeys tomorrow morning, open day, and I, I have to use shells that I bought last year. I've always been a Winchester Longbeard. Um, I mean, they, it's just I've killed turkeys at 70 yards. I mean, dead is dead. You can get – they keep talking about more powerful stuff, and it's like, well, man, dead's dead. I came by Winchester Longbeard anywhere around here. And it's like, wow, we're, we're, I can't get ammo. I mean, I never thought I'd see a day like this. So it's scary. We need numbers. We need people educated right. I just don't, you know, don't let them be taught by, like you said, a lot of these yo-yos and it's guys like you and I, our responsibility, because we have had a good time. We had, you know, we've, we've done our thing in this sport that we give back, but it's to this generation. They need to be taught. They're not going to learn. They're not going to see it. You know, the TV shows, it's, it's a lot of the TV shows it's about, and it's good. And I have to say, not just because I'm talking to you, I've been watching your show. I love your show. I love it. I love it. It's, it's good. Uh, probably one of the best ones out there right now that I like, um, that I watch, but the rest of them, dude, it's just porn products. And I know that we all got to be responsible and it pays the bills and stuff, but it kind of gets in a way when I talk to all these young kids, a lot of these young kids don't watch TV a lot because of commercials. They don't have this time that they want to sit there. So there's a way that we have to get to them and, and reach out to them. So, so when you start thinking about the word legend, 
you know, there's a lot of different sectors in life to where somebody male or female can become a legend. A dog could become a legend. You know, I know there's a lot of legendary lab, legendary labs out there. There's a lot of racehorses that have become legendary. Um, as far as what you and your wife, Diane are doing, what is your goal? You want to teach people, but you also are trying to get them to understand that this gear can help them become legendary or that this gear has enough, this gear has enough experience in it and know-how and instruction in it that it is legendary. Tell me the reason, because to be put on a pedestal of legendary, I want to know what you're trying to tell the customer when they click that purchase to buy one of your new calls and whatever product you're getting ready to launch in the future. Absolutely. And it's a good question. And what our whole goal was on this is that the calls I've worked and I've, and everything we've done in this call is try to be realistic as we can with the call, but also user friendly. And the, you hit the point. The point isn't about the call being legendary. It's about making great products that helps you become legendary. What you set to be legendary, being able to, to accomplish things that you couldn't before. And that's what become legend. Legend are people who work beyond the, the failures who work in, and not just on successes, but you have to work past the failures and, and you got to have a good equipment. And that's what the whole thing about legendary, that we are part of stuff that we create products. And that's why the, the term is legend by design. And because um, legend, it, people are made, they're not born. I truly believe that. It, 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 you know, it isn't about that you're born under um, a royalty or royal blood or anything. Being a legend is about hard work, being at it, being smart, thinking, being a thinker and um, putting your time in, being consistent, uh, repetition, you know, working and um, great work. Ethic. And that's what legend, all that coming. In. But it takes it's also about bringing success. You know, you never find anybody who's a legend who's a loser or, you know. But uh, legendary, it's always about creating being on the top. Cream always rises to the top. And the other thing that I think of George Lynch is you hear the word epic thrown around a lot. Oh, man, that, ep- that, that game was epic. That shot was epic. That hunt was epic. A hunt, memories, telling a story, camaraderie, duck camp, goose camp, turkey camp, deer camp. Those all have the potential to become legendary. Like when I think of my travels – and my friends and my network that we've been lucky enough to build throughout the last decade or a little bit longer than a decade now, it's legendary. It's like, man, there's a lot of legend because legend has a lot to do with folk and, and story and history and all that. And there's a lot of legend that goes into the flooded timber of Arkansas or the cornfields of Iowa or Devil's Lake, North Dakota, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Alberta. There's legend that goes with everything that you put your fingers on as a gatherer, hunter, provider, fisherman, outdoorsman, outdoors woman. Um, so I think that that's a, a lot to do with it. When I think of legend i think of the stories that are going to be told because of your gear if that makes sense exactly exactly and, and again you're talking about these places it's about successful hunt. it's memories of having successful hunts with buddies right there and maybe sometimes there's some misses but it was always about something positive it was about laughs it was about you know we've seen a lot of birds it was covered it's about being successful and and, and learning to enjoy what you do making and it's about making our time legendary 
you know, going out there, time is valuable and going out there. And if I'm going to be in the sport, I want people to put their best into it and, you know, practice. And I've always been this with contest guys, you know, practice. And I did the same thing in baseball. My philosophy always told my son, practice don't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. You know, and you want, you want to have repetition. You want to be doing the same thing. It's got to become muscle memory. Um, but you're absolutely right. Being legendary is helping people. And that was our whole goal, making products, making lifestyle, creating a lifestyle that people would like to follow, learn from to become su- successful in what they do. Plain and simple. And like I said, my whole life, whether, you know, we're right now, I'm, I'm part of my life is I'm doing a lot of men's retreats. We're getting ready to do one here in another week in Kansas. Um, you know, I, I'm, my wife and I both are faithful people. And um, I did one at Table Rock in Missouri this past summer. First time I've done tons of seminars. I'm hunting chat and talking to people. I never have to walk. Someone can ask me any question. I can talk for hours, but I was going to do, you know, it was four sermons and uh, my wife was going with me. She's awesome. Cause she keeps me spell check. She knows how to keep everything proper. I, you know, I, I can speak the redneck, but she keeps me nice and clean and, and make it presentable. And um, you know, every day her and I have our Bible study every day. And we sit in the morning, read it. We talk about it, and then go through our day. That our faith, we believe, is is helps become legendary, you know, for our maker and 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 that lifestyle. But um, I think it's how you present yourself. You know, when I got to, I'm speaking about God, man. I'm nervous. I don't want to mess up. And um, so my life right now is, is, you know, it's it's both. We're doing the hunting, and we're starting. I've always told God, I'll, I'll come back in this thing. And I'm going to do my, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to do better than I've ever done before. I just know it. I've learned so much in the past. I've learned from my mistakes. I got an opening here. The market is, is dire need for, of this. And um, I got a great partner and I believe, you know, everything that I believe and that we pray about that it comes to. And, and um, that's exactly what has happened. I mean, I, I could tell you all the long story of what I've went through and it's tough but I sat here in this place in Iowa one night, couldn't get anything done. I said, God, why did you move me out in this forsaken place? I love it here, but I can't get anything done. Man, in Michigan, I had seven days a week. People were in my shop. I had people every day. People liked me. They were talking to me. And it was real clear. It was a solid word. It says, this is the only way I can get you to hear me. You know, so that kind of changed my whole life and what we were doing. And, and, um, so it isn't just the call business that we're that we work on now. It's also out there ministering to men, and it's strictly men that I go to. It's about raising warriors. We're in a time of fight. We're in a time of need, and evil only prevails when good people do nothing. And I agree. I agree, hundred percent. So, what about the product? Is it different than Lynch Mob? Is it? Do you feel better about it because your calls were damn good? I got some lynch mobs. Yeah, they're real, they were good. And what it, I'll tell you what it is. It's a blend of everything I did in the past, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, put together to make each call separate. It was stuff that I wanted to do. They were close. I had this before, but I took the best of what I had before. And I'm not a duck hunter per se. I mean, I am a duck hunter, but, uh, you know, we mainly we, we were goose was the big thing. But um, the duck calls that we came up with this year has been Everyone told me, dude, the duck call, I, and it's what I love. It is so user-friendly. You double read, man, I can just, you know, it, it, it's ergonomically fits the hand right. You know, I made the press. We worked on that soundboard, and it, it's 
it can sound amazing when I blow it. It's got to sound amazing when they blow it. That's what the key is making stuff that other people can use and sound good. And, um, that's what we've done. Yeah. Lynch mob was great. I learned a lot from it. Um, but you evolve and if you don't, you die. And I took what we've done with these calls here is that we've just taken the best of what I had before and blended and, and kind of mixed stuff up and changed it. And I'm really proud of what I got now. How's the response been? Are they selling yet? I mean, what, tell the people what's going on with it right now and what's available and what, where you can find well, them. Right now on the website, got all the duck and goose calls. We're still working. We're, we're selling the turkey calls, but uh, the duck and goose calls. And here's the sad thing. You know, it was tough because we put in our plan to get this. You know, we were going to be up in October 1st running. And prior, because of stuff with the past company, we were just, my wife and I were trying to make sure we had our eyes dotted and T's crossed and, so, and working with our machinists. So what turned from October 1st ended up being January 1st. So I lost a whole, we lost our whole waterfowl season. Um, but beyond that, I mean, it's helped us. We got it together and calls are selling. I still got stuff that's coming out. That's going to be new here. Uh, we got some wooden calls that are coming. It should be another week or so. I do. We're going to blow it up with these wood calls with the gut system I'm using how I tune the guts, putting in with these new wood calls. They're just, I'm excited. The turkey products, um, it was just, you know, a gentleman came to me, was through a relationship, makes phenomenal pot calls. Uh, his pot calls used in the NWTF last year, or year four last, out of the top five, four of his pot calls. The guy just makes the best pot calls. He partnered up with us. Um, we came up with two models. We have glass and we have slate. We have glass over glass, cherry and walnut. We have slate over glass with walnut or cherry, uh, the two different strikers. We have diaphragms that we just got out. We were going to have the box call. The box call's not quite where I want it. So the box call will be ready for 2022. Like I said, everything you put isn't just about putting a product in your line. I want the best product that I design into that line or it's not legendary. It's not going to be legend. So we kind of held off on the, on the box call, but the uh, pot calls and, and the diaphragms and, strikers everything's going and we're selling the pot calls good they're the the people that you know my wife's doing a great job and that's the she's posting posting every day on her instagram we got an ambassador team that she's put together phenomenal ambassador team and the work that they're doing we're just scratching the surface dude she's doing she's doing stuff right now with pro staff ambassadors marketing that i didn't even do in, in all the years that i did with lunch mob i mean she's just done her homework and so I can concentrate on killing things and making things. Do you, do you think that there is, you said there's the market needs it. Can we really make a better duck and goose call than is that has been out there in the past, George, or is it because of the marketing and most importantly, the culture behind the brand? Are you going to build the George Lynch culture through the help of these ambassadors and the people flying your flag is it all about building that culture into the call? Because in my opinion, 
there's a lot of great duck calls out there. The rich in tones, the echoes. This, I mean, I can go on and on. We have jargon, which I love. But then you got the goose calls. You got Freddie and you got Jeff and you got Hunter running Tim Ground's calls now. And then you got Joe Lair's duck calls out in California, one of the best ever. So there's a lot of good calls out there that you can kill ducks with. Phil Robertson kills them with a double read DC 600 every day. So you don't need a whole lot to kill a mallard duck. But it's about the culture that you're going to build into this brand, is it not? Yes and no. There's two things you want to do. I mean, yes, it's about building a culture. You got to build a following. You got to, like I said earlier, you want to be that hero that this, if I do what he does, if I do what Chad Belding does, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to become legend like Chad. That's what it's about. So yes, you're right. It's the personification of, uh, of building a culture. But to me, and I've seen this dude so many times in shows, a lot of these calls that you and I talk are good calls. You know, if you're in the business of selling, the contest callers and the real top of the line callers is probably only 10% of all the waterfowlers, maybe 20, maybe. The average guys that I've met so many guys, and, and it's awesome. They they hunt their ass off. And excuse my French, but they hunt hard. They look for, you know, they're looking for the best product, but they, they spend time scouting them and their buddies. And they know what they're doing. They get their spread and they get, you know, got one trailer with everybody's gear put together. They go out there and they have good hunts. Could these guys, these guys are not great callers, but they go out in that field. And to me, I look at and that's like 80% of the guys goose hunting, duck hunting out there. So what is, can you make a better product? I think you can. If you ever sit here at the day and say that we can't get any better, you won't get any better. I truly believe that there's a, that duck and goose, there's always something, but it is not as much as making it better, making it user friendly. I want to make products that guys can make. And if it's the molded call that he can go and sound like the best duck, then it's, I've done my job, Jeff. It's, it's the more people I can get and say, Hey man, I've never been able to sound that good on a duck call. I've never been able to sound that good on a goose call. That's what turns you on. And I drive every day. What can I make better today? And I use the analogy every day in our life. You know, some days you want, you're always wanting to move forward. Some days, man, it's a great day. I wake up um, strong and ready to go. And, and you move two yards. We've moved 10 yards today, man. We've really moved the ball. Some days you make move 10 inches, but I'm still moving forward every day. Whatever you're doing, what can we move forward? Can I make better? Can we do things, you know? And if you can't, then I'm going to design something else that's going to be better, you know. And, and and like I said, there's an open market in the hunting industry with with decoys, camo, and you know, it's like I said, the game calls. I've got them, and they're good. Can it be better? It can. But we got other ideas that we want to really help the waterfowl guys, hunting guys in general. That you know is on the it's on our bucket list. It's on the list of what we're doing. And where do you think? What are your goals, George? I know that your goals are to teach and to make people better hunters. But on the other side of the the pendulum or the spectrum, you are a businessman. There's a thing called revenue and profit and gross sales and net sales and livelihood and making a living. You're starting over in a way, but with your knowledge, you have a head start. This is not an easy game to get into. And what I mean by that is... 
you've alluded to people on the internet. There's a lot, you could build a duck call in your garage, go get a lathe, go get, build a duck call and sell a hundred of them a year. But if you're trying to create revenue and you want to build a brand and a national brand and survive that infancy stage where only like two to 3%, they say of companies and brands in the country survive the infancy stage of going national, you, there is this thing that you have to keep in mind of how do we launch this brand? We've, we're going to market. We have great product. We got to compete with a lot of brands out there. These are the things that are going in my mind every day as we look into launching new brands and new product and all of these different companies we have. You can build a duck call in your garage and sell them at the local fair and the local sporting goods show, no problem. But to go national and to have that presence like you did for a long time, a big presence, a huge footprint in this industry, in this marketplace, in this sector of hunting and, and, and outdoors with lynch mob calls, do you have apprehension? Are you nervous, George? I know that you said you're spiritual and I know that we all know that, Hey, God has put us here for a reason and things happen for a reason. But when you sit down at night, does it scare you? Are you fearful? Do you have nervosa? Because there's a lot of people listening, George, that are going, man, I want to be in the duck call business, man. I want to be in the hunting game. How do I get into the hunting game? It's hard as heck to make your living in the hunting industry. No matter what anybody tells me, it's difficult. You know where I'm going with that? It's hard as heck. It's hard as heck and, and, and trying to get sponsors and then you, you know, it isn't just selling calls. If you want to get, and then you're trying to hook up with sponsors and you got everybody out there uh, fighting for that piece of the pie. And you're absolutely right. Do I get fearful at night? No, I'm tired at night from working my ass off trying to, you know, what, what's the next thing you, you got to outwork the next guy. You got to outthink the next guy, but I will tell you, and I didn't, you know, you don't want to put too much of, of your cards and you're laying out there, but uh, Chad, I'm, it, it's, Tom Matthews had, a, you know, he was a brilliant marketing guy. And um, I remember one of the things that, and, and we did, I used the same analogy with Lynch Mob. I'm going to build an army. So Tom used to tell me, we're going to build an army. That's what all that pro staff was. You know, he had 200, 250 guys. I had 125, but I had good guys. I had Team Canada. I had all, Can you know, we had guys in Canada. And it's about spreading. It's making an army, Chad, that the guys are spreading. You'll get guys out there. If you can get in each hunting group buddies and each one gets their calls and that spreads, you know, it's kind of like selling insurance or it's not the pyramid, but you want to get out there and you want to spread that. And I'm telling you, pro staff and, and building this army can do a ton for you. It's, you know, there's not enough hours in the day for me and Diane to get on there and stay on this laptop. Cause I stay on the laptop working all day on social media. I'm not designing or working on the next thing for, for legendary gear. So that's where Diane's been so good. If you know, you got to build an army, you got to have good sergeants, you got to have good, good lieutenants. You got to have your, your, your guys out there, your privates out there who, you know, who are doing the groundwork. They're out there because I can't be in Washington. I can't be in Oregon. I can't be in California. I can't be. So it's, it's, that's what it is. It's built. You got to build an army. You got to get people out there behind you. I've always said this. And I'm just telling Fred. Fred would always, you know, there's only so many pieces of the pie, and I was always, well, you know what? How about I make the pie bigger? One of I, I'll do some different. I'll add some other stuff. Let's make the pie bigger. But um, you got to you know, get out you know there. What, and, you know, it's funny and, to me, George Lynch is in today's world of internet heroes and keyboard toughness and. <laughs> everybody's a critic. Everybody has a voice, whether it was earned or not. And that's, that's true. I mean, you could 
go on to The Rock, who has made a mint in wrestling and movies, and tell him that he sucks at what he does because we have the ability to, to get to people today on a comment or a direct message or whatever. Oh, yeah. We can all be Siskel and Eberts. You know, you used to have to watch Siskel and Ebert to get the thumbs up or thumbs down. Now all I have to do is turn on my own social media to find out what a piece of shit I am daily, right? But yeah. in the day of internet marketing, in the day of keyboard, you know, keyboard toughness and all these critics out there, I keyboard see- Keyboard cowboys. Yeah, yeah. I see- people actually making fun of the term pro staff. They're like, oh, I'm a pro staffer. Oh, I'm an ambassador. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? If, you, if you're part of a team, if you're taking ownership in the end goal and you see the vision of the founders or the owners or the management and you're helping it, I'll tell you this right now, that you keep saying the words Tom Matthews. Avery was founded in 1994 in Memphis, Tennessee, and it was built around a boat blind at Tom and Alan Hughes. Yeah. Tom designed it and he was selling it in parking lots like Max Prairie Wings and Simmons back in the early 90s and the mid 90s. And then it evolved into Avery, what it is today, then Greenhead Gear and the Decoys and Avery Sporting Dog. But Tom Matthews, I remember specifically going to pro staff summits. And I remember being at one specifically in Loveland, Colorado, where I gave a speech. Then they had Tyson Keller, this young cat from South Dakota. Yeah. He came out and gave a, he, you know what his seminar on was the for it was on photography. Tom prided himself in getting the right photography coming in from all of these pro staffers and what you call his army. And so to me, to hear people make fun of that, it drives me nuts of all you, it's like, what you're really telling me is that you wish you had something that you could build a pro staff around instead of making fun of it, instead of being this internet cowboy that can get on there and k- kill everybody else because you went out in your winter wheat field last night and killed seven widgeons. That's awesome. But that doesn't make it bad for somebody to be part of something. So all I'm saying is that when people go on and they read about legendary gear, they read about and educate themselves on what George Lynch is doing. And you're part of this pro staff it's easy to go negative on it. It's easy to say, oh, it's just another pro staff. Well, it's not. It's a belief. It's a team. It's a family. It's a lot of pride Absolutely. and joy that you and your wife, Diane, are putting into this. And that's why it's so hard for me to swallow when somebody goes, oh, this sucks, or you're just a pro staffer. Just stop and pump the brakes and understand that there's a lot of sweat equity that goes into building these brands, and it's not worth your time to make fun of them. I, I wish that I could go out now and give a seminar on how not to be a hater and how to wake up earlier and go to bed later and have vision and work ethic and, and, and be able to develop an idea and see it through to fruition and take it from infancy to maturity and its adolescent stages and everything and build a brand because it's freaking hard. So for anybody to go out and c- c- critique and, and put negative spin on this, you know, it's just and, and, and insult somebody. It's crazy. I love the idea of a pro staff and an army because I watched the greatest man to do it. The greatest to ever do it was Tom Matthews. He built a pro staff that we were doing seminars, right. the, the round tables and, and the waterfowl summits and the, and the workshops, he blew it out of the water. And that's what grew Avery he, and Greenhead gear into the monster it. that it became. Every, you know, he always tell me that he says, you know, if you go through wildfowl magazine, or you go through unlimited, this is where he was genius. I mean, they marked it well, so it could be a dog. It could be a shot color page ad. It could be a real tree, could be Mossy Oak. But all of a sudden you look and the kid's picking up a decoy and he's got an Avery cap on. Tom was really good that they made sure that all these guys who were putting their pictures in magazines and promoting, they at least had something on them that said Avery. And build up. And here's how, Chad, when you talked, I'm going to answer when you said 
kind of how do you handle when people get negative and they do get negative, but you know, I understand first of all, where that negativity comes from. It comes from, um, jealousy, jealousy, people who haven't put, I call I'm, I'm just going to come out people who are losers. It, 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 to me, you got to sit here and then have faith in your fellow faith in yourself, but faith in your fellow man. It's about treating other people, how you want to be treated people that, uh, with this. And, and we build up, I don't worry about any of the negative stuff that come on. I mean, I used to, there's a couple, but a lot of it comes up with these negative kids. I know where the negative come. The negative comes after me because it's an attack on you or it's an attack on me. They're trying to bring down. It's a jealous, and you're absolutely, it's a jealousy thing, but I don't let it bother me. What I do is I roll it off. We build up positive. Uh, Diane is constantly, we have great communication with this team that's growing right now. And the guys, it's about keeping them on fire. I understand. And I think people know that there's the keyboard cowboys and stuff like that. What I do is I don't get in confrontations. I don't get, you know, it, we ignore it. Now, if I'm, I'm somewhere and I get a chance to talk to somebody, say, hey, now you can tell me why you think, what, what do you think something's a piece of crap? What do you, why, I'll talk to you man to man. And, and it's right. You don't have to agree with me. It's called debate, but you're not going to hammer my ass on social media. And, you know, so the best thing to do is ignore it, go away, build a team that overflows. And someone's negative on there. You got this positive guys going in, drowning this rat out, moving it back to positive. That's how you handle the negative people. You drown. And the, and the reason they're jealous is because no one has asked them to be on a pro staff. They haven't earned, and I should say they haven't earned the right to be on a pro staff. And you'll see some of the older seasoned veteran guys out there who get on the internet and slam the pro staff. And I think that's more of the older guys who that I know. And I look at that and I was like, dude, why do you say that? Do you know, I know, I know you real well. Do you know, like 15 years ago when you were getting in, you used to sponsor a lot and be on a lot of pro staffs, you know, it's just, you remember your roots and where you come from, but it's jealousy, 90% of it. And the biggest thing is just you ignore it. And because more of that, I spend neg negativity. It's a cancer and cancer grows with negativity. It just keeps growing. And then what it does, it ruins that positive force that I had on something. Okay. Today I'm going to work on this camel or today I'm going to do something I'm working on. It's real important. Well, if I lose half the day of my mind on the negativity, he's one and, and we're not going to grow. So it isn't going to change. That part isn't going to change, but the best thing that you can do is just ignore it. Absolutely. And it's 90% is jealousy. You're right. I think it is. And I think that it's a shame because, you know, one of the things you hear a lot is, well, you know, you were with Tim grounds and you were with Fred zinc and you did this. And I'm like, yeah, I was personally, I'm not afraid to talk about anything. I want to be transparent. I, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Tim grounds and if it wasn't for Fred zinc bringing me on and being able to call guys like you back in the day and foils. And I used to call, I used to wear Phil Robertson out. He got to the point where he's like, screw it, just bring him down here to Louisiana. And then he had me come to Texas and hunt with him and Jason red dog and W E Phillips and all of them. And, um, but I wore people out probably, uh, I mean, I was very, very persistent, but I, I, I wouldn't be to where I am without the trailblazers and the guys that helped me, but I had the mindset and the wherewithal to go out and try to do my own thing. And here's the deal. 
That's America. That's free enterprise. That's how the, the wheels and the spokes on that wheel keep turning. Fred Zink didn't invent the goose call. Fred Zink had a, a little catalog called Zink Outdoors way before he worked for Avery when he was just blowing a goose call for Tim Grounds and wearing cornfield camouflage and, and laying in an eliminator blind with Ron Latch on final approach. He wasn't the he he went out and evolved and turned Zink Outdoors catalog into the SR1 and the XR, you know, the duck calls and the goose calls. Then it went into his tenure with Avery and developed the blinds there and then taking his knowledge with decoy carving and, and, and helping Tom launch the decoys and the pro grade series with Greenhead gear decoys. So everybody has roots. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a past. It's the guys that want to take it to the next level. It doesn't mean that you're a copycat that you went out and started your own brand. You just had the intuition and the wherewithal to follow through with it. So I think that everybody has a seat on that bus. Everybody has to know their, their role. Jealousy and envy is what brings America down. I can sit here all day and say, Oh yeah, it doesn't matter what the the haters say and at one time it did a lot more. But today I still it still blows my mind that we can work as hard as we can on a TV episode or a podcast or a brand in a in a product launch or whatever and then have somebody say Banded sucks because their waiters leak. The foul life sucks because you play too much music. This podcast sucks because you're a terrible speaker and I'm sitting there going why not just do it in a way to construct somebody positively and con- constructive criticism to maybe give them the ability to say, okay, I want to improve in that area. But as soon as you go negative like that, I just shut the door and turn the ear off because I'm like, I'm not going to learn anything from you. I want to learn. I want to be a sponge. I'm trying to put the best content out there. I'm trying to show how special this lifestyle truly is, that we are not entitled to it, that we are privileged and blessed to have it. I don't take it for granted at all that I get to wake up and make my living as a duck hunter or a goose hunter or whatever. I'm not a professional hunter. There's kids in Arkansas, eight year olds that'll mop me up on a single reed duck call. There's, there's 15 year old goose hunters in Washington. That'll mop me up on a lesser Canada goose hunt. I would never try to say I'm the best. My dad and mom didn't raise me that way, but I did want to try to show people like, here's the lifestyle and how special it is. Here's how I see it. I love music. I love the military. I love the campfire. I love calling instruction. I love vocalizing with, with wild animals and getting ducks and geese as close as I possibly can. A lot of times I don't even call the shot and I take a lot of abuse for that with the people hunting with me. They get pissed at me. But what I always wanted to do was say, this life is special. Live through us vicariously. But then it's like, wow, y'all are critics. Y'all have a problem with it. I just want people to know that instead of always beating up on the people that are doing it, just try to do it yourself. And if you make it more power to you, but if you don't, maybe it will teach you how hard it truly is to keep those wheels a turning and keep them greased the right way. And the negativity and and pessimism just kills the waterfowl community, the deer hunting community, the, the turkey hunting community. We're all in it for the same reason to enjoy the hunt and to write a story. And I think that that's where legendary comes in is your ability to help people see through the trees at the light at the end of the tunnel that it's way more than a pro staff it's way more than a duck call or a goose call this lifestyle is special so don't beat the people up that are trying to promote it in the right way absolutely and i believe that um you know when you're having it's about being positive it's this negative and, and here's a, each one of us I, and i recommend this to my son he does it today and even though he's a pastor that we all have our mentors even today there's there's guys who who are older that i still look to and, and talk to and you've got to have that line of people that always kind of keep you in line 
and um, the negative people, and that's just life, Chad. If you're in construction, if you're, I've seen it in construction, I've seen it in, in sports, you see it in, in the hunting. Jealousy is a wicked tool. It's an evil tool. And you're never going to stop that. And what I have is I have those mentors. If, if, if there was something out there that, and I do like criticism. I like constructive criticism. It's like you, we all want to get better. You're not sitting there waking up in the day and say, hey, man, I'm going to make a TV show and I'm really going to screw it up and I want to be an asshole on it and I want to do this and I want to do that. You don't do that. I want to get up. I want to make the best show or I want to tune. I want to make the best products. I'm going to go out the door today. That's what I wait. You wake up and you want excellence. And that negativity uh, if, if it is something that I'm doing wrong, I go to my mentors. Hey, talk to somebody that you that you respect and say, hey, what do you think? And if they look at you and say, Chad, screw them. <laughs> do your thing, bro. You, you know, it's, it's just good to help people accountability. And there's things you can learn. But the rest of it, dude, you got to take that and skip that post. Skip that post. Skip it. If it's something that because I'm saying it's going to keep coming in sports the same way. You know, he's only good because, uh, you know, he hasn't played he hasn't uh, played the competition. He, he They're playing weak teams or they do this. It's always something when someone always they want an excuse when they fail or they haven't succeeded. And it's easier to, to ride your shirt tail and blame you than to look in the mirror and blame themselves. I agree, George. I couldn't have said it better myself, and I'm proud to know you, my man. And I, let, let's do this again. I want to keep up on legendary gear. I want to know what y'all are doing with it. I can't awesome. wait to get my call that Diane says is on its way. Can't wait to oh, hammer dude, it's down Coca on Bullet. it. You're getting our first wood. I got a little short goose call that is bad to the bone, and uh, we're doing it in Coca-Bola. I just saw the first one. They're gorgeous, dude. I can't. I can't wait. You're gonna. You're gonna like it. Don't forget to you're sign like it for it. me. We'll sign it, brother. And it's been a pleasure to be honored to be on here, dude. I I, uh, I want to get uh, – we got this new cabin here, so I want to get you on a duck and goose hunt sometime. Yeah, let's film together this have year. We'll talk about it. Yeah, let's, we'll have a legendary time. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it and uh, set up a trip. I can come in and film with you and put legendary on an episode and, and keep helping you all as much as we can. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, uh, we'll do it again for sure in the near future. Chad, keep doing what you're doing, man. I love what you're doing and um, proud to call you my friend too. God bless. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the support. God bless to you, George, your wife, Diane, Legendary Gear, George Lynch. Check them out. They're all over social media. Their website, Duck Goose Calls, Turkey Calls coming soon. I'm excited for the brand. You'll see more of them here on the Foul Life Podcast, Foul Life TV. We believe in George Lynch. He's one of the trailblazers. So y'all check him out and support him. This has been another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Again, brought to you by the great Gerber Gear. Stay sharp, America. Keep supporting the partners and sponsors that support us. And thank you for all the subscriptions, the downloads. Tom, Jake, let's play it out. 2 a.m. Logic. The song is called My Foul Life. Y'all take care.